Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. We're feeding the homeless this Wednesday, as long as it doesn't rain. And now that you're out of school, you are available to help. Great news. You're not, but next week you will be. The next Women's Bible Study is this Thursday, May 18th. Yeah, we'll see, because we, yeah. So continuation. The next men's Bible study is this Saturday, May 20th. Yes. The next youth night is Thursday, May 25th. Yep. Good. The marriage retreat, I think there's still some slots left. Yep. October 13th through the 15th. We're already signed up. We're ready to go. Yep, we are. If you want to know what's going on, Give me your email, or we'll send out an email once a week with what's going on, or you can look it up on the website, thechurchne.org. With that, let's pray. Dear Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this time to come together to learn about you, to worship you, that you would lead us in this life, that you would guide us, that you would protect us. You would speak to each one of our hearts. You know what each one of us is going through. You would meet each one of us right where we're at. You would lead us and guide us in this study, in this day, in this week, in this life. I ask that your words would be spoken here this morning, not mine. That you would keep the enemy from attacking us in our thought lives. Um, Keep ourselves from attacking ourselves in our thought lives. That you would speak to us loud and clear. Meet us right where we are. In Jesus' name, we pray all these things. Amen. Amen. So we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 3 today. And I think we're going to finish the whole chapter. Are you excited? Yep. So Hebrews chapter 3, starting here in verse 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters who belong to God and are partakers with those called to heaven, think carefully about this Jesus whom we declare to be God's messenger and high priest. For he was faithful to God who appointed him just as Moses served faithfully when he was entrusted with God's entire house. Now there's a few things I find very interesting is that Moses served faithfully. And we'll read this again in this chapter. But when we go back and look at Moses' life, he didn't always serve faithfully. When God first called him and asked him to go to Pharaoh and asked for his people to be set free, Moses argued with God and said, no, I can't. I'm not a very good speaker. And so, therefore, therefore he sent Aaron to help him speak. So, so Moses had Aaron speak for him, 
Moses also wasn't allowed into the promised land. So it seems like the faithfulness that the New Testament speaks about must have wiped away Moses' sins. Moses must have asked for forgiveness, and Jesus must have died on the cross, and that we no longer see that, see his sins there. So so Hebrews chapter 3, continuing on, verse 3. But Jesus deserves far more glory than Moses, just as a person who builds a house deserves more praise than the house itself. For every house has a builder, but the one who built everything is God. I think another way to put this that I've heard is that the, the person that does the work here on earth doesn't really deserve the praise. Oh, thank you for praying for my family or thank you for this or that. But really God that did the work, kind of like you wouldn't go to a surgeon afterwards and ask him where his scalpel is so that you can praise the scalpel and thank the scalpel for the successful surgery that just got performed. You would go to the surgeon himself and thank him, right? So the builder, who is God, is greater than the building itself. Just like the the surgeon is greater than the the scalpel that's used to perform the surgery. For every house has a builder, but the one who built everything is God. And we learned that earlier, that Jesus built everything. That everything that was made was made through him. Continuing on, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 5. Moses was certainly faithful in God's house as a servant. His work was an illustration of the truths God would reveal later. But Christ, as the Son, is in charge of God's entire house. And we are God's house if we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. So here, twice Moses has been called faithful, but when we go back and read in the Old Testament, he wasn't always faithful. He wasn't allowed in the promised land because of his unfaithfulness. He didn't really believe that God could use him to set the people free. And there's other examples, but again, in the New Testament, what happened between what we read in the Old Testament with Moses and, and here, and what happened was that Jesus died on the cross for his sins and took his sins away, and God removed them from his record. So, God's not looking for us to be perfect, but he is looking for us to be faithful. And the things that we do in faith are the things we'll be rewarded for. Another look at this is in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Ephesians chapter 2, 19 So now, you Gentiles, are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together, we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Jesus Christ himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles, are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his Spirit. So here we see that Jesus is the cornerstone, that the foundation's already been laid, right? That foundation is the work that Jesus did on the cross, and that anyone that tries to lay a different foundation, 
speaks about another Jesus isn't really speaking about the true Jesus. And that we need to be careful. We need to be mindful of that. There's only one foundation that our faith is built on Jesus. His work on the cross, all that he has done. He is God. He is worthy of our praise. And that any other foundation than that is not true. Is a false teaching, a false religion. So, Jesus himself is the cornerstone of our faith. Everything that we have, everything we are, is because of him. So Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7. That is why the Holy Spirit says today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled, when they tested me in the wilderness. There your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw my miracles for 40 years. So it says today when you hear his voice. So what does that speak of? That speaks of God is speaking to us every single day. And it's our choice to listen to him or not. It's our choice to obey him or not. But make no mistake about it, he is speaking to us. Right? Through his creation, through his word, he can use other people. He can use circumstances and situations in our life to speak to us, to lead us, to guide us. And it's our choice whether or not we harden our hearts, as Israel did, or we receive him and obey him. Continue on here in verse 10. So I was angry with them, and I said, Their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. So what is God speaking of here? Where they saw his miracles for 40 days, or for 40 years, but they rebelled against him. And what he's speaking of takes place here in Numbers, chapter 13, verse 17. So we'll read through what has taken place. So the nation of Israel, God raises up Moses, and Moses goes before Pharaoh and and asks for Pharaoh to set his people free. And God sends ten plagues down on Pharaoh and the nation of Israel. Egypt Um, and finally at the end the last plague Pharaoh agrees to let the people go but then Pharaoh changes his mind and hardens his heart and chases after them and the the people think that they're led into a corner or led with no escape and God parts the Red Sea and they walk across on dry ground and then when the the is the Egyptians followed through followed them through there um, God closed up the Red Sea and they all drowned Pharaoh was killed then after that, the nation of Israel wandered in the wilderness for 40 years where God provided them manna, bread from heaven, every morning for them to eat and provided water for them. Their clothes never wore out. Their clothes never got a hole in them, never got dirty or stained or soiled. God preserved them for 40 years. Pretty amazing all the things that God did for them during this time. And at the end of it, God shows them to the prom- leads them to the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey. And so they gather up these scouts, one person from each of the 12 tribes to go and check out this land, scout it out. And uh, that's where we'll pick it up. We'll pick it up here in Numbers chapter 13, verse 17. So Moses gave the men these instructions. He sent them out to explore the land. 
Go north through Naviv into the hill country. See what the land is like and find out whether the people living there are strong or weak. Few or many. See what kind of land they live in. It is good. Is it good or bad? Do their towns have walls or are they unprotected like open camps? Is the soil fertile or poor? Are there many trees? Do your best to bring back samples of the crops you see. It happens to be the season for harvesting the first ripe grapes. So they went up and explored the land of the wilderness of Zin as far as Rabor, near Lebo Hemeth. Going north, they passed through Neviv and arrived at Hebron, where Ashme, Ashi, Ptolemy, all the descendants of Anak lived. The ancient town of Hebron was found seven years before the Egyptian city was founded seven years before the Egyptian city of Zorin. When they came to the valley of Eshkol, they cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes, so large that it took two of them to carry it on a pole between them. They also brought back samples of pomegranates and figs. The place, that place was called the Valley of Eshkol, which means cluster, because of the cluster of grapes the Israelite men cut there. After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported the whole, they reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent to us to explore. And it is indeed a bountiful crop, a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. There is the kind of fruit, here is the kind of fruit it produces. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Amalekites live in Neviv. And the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once and take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread a bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants. They're the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. Then the people of the community began weeping aloud, and they cried all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt, for even there, or even there here in the wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord 
taking us to this country only to have us die in battle. Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Won't it, wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Then they plotted among themselves, let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down on the ground before the whole community of Israel. Two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jehapathith, tore their clothing. They said, All the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored, is a wonderful land, and if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into the land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord. Do not be afraid of the people of the land. They are, the on, they are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection. The Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. But the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to all the Israelites at the tabernacle. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will these people treat me with contempt? Will they never believe me, even after all the miraculous signs I have done among them? I will disown them and destroy them with a plague. Then I will make you into a nation greater and mightier than they are. So here, God has led them to the promised land. They've scouted it out, but they come back with this report that these giants live in the land, that these people will devour them, that on their own, there's no way they can conquer this land. And they're true. That's true. On their own, there's no way that the Israelites can conquer this land. But with God, everything is possible. But what the Israelites are really doing is saying, no, God, you've got this all wrong. You screwed this all up, God. You should have left us in Israel. Or you should have left us in Egypt. You should have let us die in the wilderness. You never should have led us here. We can't do this. You're not a big enough God for this. You're not really able to lead us into this land. We don't trust you. We don't love you. And we don't want anything to do with you. And it sounds harsh, but that's what there's the writer in Hebrews here is saying. That today, when you hear God's voice, God is speaking to you every day. Are you going to act like the nation of Israel and call God a liar and tell him he's wrong for the directions he's led you in, for the life that he's given you, for the things he's called you to do? Or are you going to accept and embrace that without God, what he's asked you to do is impossible? But with God, what he's asked you to do is very possible. That he can do all things through us. And the choice is ours. And it is. It's a big choice, and it's a serious choice. Do you want to be like the, the people of Israel that tell God he's a liar? Do you, you the one that wants to call God a liar to his face? Are you the one that wants to tell God he's got this all screwed up? you screwed this all up, God. My life shouldn't have been this way. You've got this all wrong. I'm mad at you. I'm mad at my situation. You can't handle this, God. You're not big enough for this. You're not mighty enough for this. You're not really a God at all. Is that what we're saying to him? While it sounds harsh, that's exactly what we're saying. When he's called us and led us to do something and we tell him no, that's what, he's, that's what we're telling him. We're doing exactly what the people of Israel have done. That we want to tell God he's wrong. We want to kill his leaders. And we want to raise up our own leaders. 
or our own selfish desires and follow them. That's what the nation of Israel wanted to do. They wanted to, to kill Caleb and Joshua. They wanted to stone them. They wanted to find new leaders other than Moses and Aaron. And they wanted to follow their own desires. And oftentimes our own desires don't line up with God's will for our life. And that's how you can tell. Is this really from God? Well, it's not something I really want to do. Then more than likely, if it brings him glory, and if it's something bigger than ourselves, then it's probably from him. So, continuing on here in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters, make sure that our own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it is still today, so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. So daily, we need to turn away from our selfish desires and turn towards God. He is our everything. Everything we have. Everything we have physically, but every attribute we have. Our confidence, our courage, our strength, our endurance, all comes from God. So each day, as he speaks to us, we need to choose. Do we want to follow him and obey him and live for him? Or do we want to live a life apart from him? Live a life that's following our own desires, our own feelings, our own thoughts that aren't necessarily from God. So chapter 3, verse 14. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. Remember what it says. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. So twice now we've heard that here in these just few eight verses. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. Remember the God you serve is a mighty God. He is bigger than all things. While things are not possible and always in the realm for us to handle or out of our hands or bigger than us, all things are possible through God. All things can be handled through God. God is capable of taking care of every situation in our lives. And it's our choice each and every day to turn to him and trust in him for that. Remember, as believers, the judgment that we go through is the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat of Christ. And that's where we're handed out rewards, right? There's no condemnation for those in Christ, right? For those who believe in Christ, there is no hell. There's no damnation. There's no separation from God. But there is rewards. And it's kind of like a, a retirement plan. But your retirement plan and that you're saving up for in heaven is for all of eternity. And do you want to spend all of eternity with very little rewards? Or do you want to spend all of eternity with all the rewards that God has for you? With all of the inheritance that Christ has that we get to share in. So to take a look at this, this famous seat of Christ or this um, handing out of rewards... There's a few places that talk about it. We won't go to all of them, but we will go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. First Corinthians chapter 3, starting here in verse 10. 
Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we have already have, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer a great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through the walls of flames. So here we read that the foundation of our faith, again, is Jesus. Jesus Christ is the foundation. And anyone who builds on that is building on it by faith. And the things we do by faith are the things that are built on it, in this case, made of gold, silver, jewels. But the things we don't do in faith are the things of wood, hay, straw. The things that I think I'm just going to go do. This is a good thing to do, but God hasn't called me to it. Or God hasn't led me to it. I'm not doing it in faith. I'm maybe doing what's comfortable for me or, or staying um, where I feel comfortable. Those are the things that we do that are good, but they're built with wood, hay, and straw. But the things that we do in faith, those are the things made of gold, silver, and jewels. And so at the end, our work, the work that we do, the works we did on our own, apart from God, they'll be burnt up. They're the wood, the stray, the straw, the hay. But the works we did in faith are the ones that will survive the fire. The ones made of gold, silver, and jewels. So, like it says here in verse 15, But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer a great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through the walls of flames. So this isn't a matter of salvation, right? This is a matter of how do you spend eternity? What do you have to show for it? For all of eternity, the works that you do. You only have one life here on this earth, only one chance. And it's very important that you spend each one of those days doing the things that God's asked you to do. That you're building up those rewards in heaven. That you're storing up those treasures in heaven for all of eternity. That your retirement plan is in heaven, not here on earth. Because the good things we do, the things that we're comfortable doing, are the things made of wood, straw, and hay. But those won't last. We won't have those eternity. We won't be rewarded for those. And that's what the writer is speaking about here. So we'll continue on here in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 16. And who was it who rebelled against God, even though they heard his voice? Wasn't it the people Moses led out of Egypt? Yeah, the people that saw the ten plagues, saw God's work, saw him part the Red Sea, walked across on dry ground. No other explanation than that. Wandered around for 40 years in the wilderness. God provided them manna, provided them food, provided them water. God provided for their clothing that it never wore out. Those are the people that got to see all of that. And what did they do? Those are the people that rebel against God. Those are the people that call God a liar. They've seen God's handiwork. They've seen God undoubtedly work before them. Continuing on here in verse 17. And who made God angry for 40 years? Wasn't it the people who send, whose corpses lay in the wilderness? 
So those who sinned in the wilderness with the, the golden calf when, when Moses went up on Mount Sinai to get the, the Ten Commandments or the commandments of God written on the stone tablet with God's own finger. And he comes down and the, the people of Israel, the nation of Israel is worshiping this golden calf. And they've given up on their God, their God who's freed them from the Egyptians. Remember the Egyptians were very hard on them, especially there at the end, doubling their workload, making life very hard for them. This is the same Egyptians that killed all of their males. That's how Moses came about. Moses was born during the time when the Egyptians were killing all of the male children of Egypt because they didn't want them to reproduce and grow and, and get stronger. And Moses' parents hit him in the reeds. Those are the people that, that they were enslaved to. And those are the people they want to go back to. We want to go back to this old life, this old awful life we have because I have this distorted view in my mind of what it was. But the old life is gone and God's calling them to a new life, a new life that is fruitful, bountiful, a land filled with milk and honey. And yes, there are giants in the land. There are big obstacles to overcome. But with God, all things are possible. So while it looks impossible, while it looks like there's no hope, right? That this isn't what I want, that this land is scary, that this calling is scary. Whatever it is I'm afraid of, God is bigger than all that. And what God is saying is, every day I speak to you, are you willing to follow me? Are you willing to trust in me? And that's our his question for us. And that's what the writer of Hebrews is trying to lead us towards and trying to get us to explain. Every day God is speaking to us. Every day God is leading us. Do we want to step out in faith? Even though there's giants in front of us, even though it seems impossible, even though what we're going through is not very much fun, that it's difficult, that it seems like it would be much easier to sit on the sidelines instead of be in the front lines. But what God is asking us to do is every single day to trust him, that he will lead us and guide us through it, that he will conquer those giants that are too big for us to handle, that he will open the doors that he wants us to walk through, that he will close the ones that he doesn't. So we'll finish up here. Hebrews chapter three, verse 18. And to whom was God speaking when he took an oath that they would never enter his rest? Wasn't it the people who disobeyed him? So we see that because of their unbelief, they are not able to enter his rest. So this idea of rest is a, an interesting concept. It's kind of like peace, right? The peace that Jesus offers us is different than the peace of this world. The peace of this world is an absence of conflict. But the Bible makes it clear that will never happen. There will always be conflict in this world right? There's sin in this world, and there's always going to be conflict between God and sin, between right and wrong. So there's always going to be conflict. So this idea of peace, this absence of conflict is a lie. It's an illusion. It's false. But the peace that Jesus offers is the peace to go through the conflict, right? To have a peace about it while you're in the midst of the conflict. Well, this rest is the same way. This worldly rest that people speak of is, oh, I have so much going on. I just need to take a break. I need a rest, right? Well, I don't read that Paul rested. I read that Paul worked night and day. It says that he toiled night and day. 
Paul went out and preached the gospel. But then Paul also had a company of making tents. That's how he provided for himself. That's how God <laughs> provided for him. And Paul says he worked night and day tirelessly to no end. So I don't see this rest as Paul taking vacations or, or doing things like that. And I'm not saying vacations are bad. I'm not nothing like that. But what I am saying is that Paul was able to find rest toiling night and day. Paul had many giants coming after him, right? Many people wanted to kill him. He was stoned, thrown out of the city. They thought he was dead. Paul faced many, many things, but he found rest. And what he found rest in was he found rest in Jesus. He found rest in the God that would lead him through the chaos, that would lead him through the busyness, that would lead him in the right directions. And the question is, are we seeking God's will in everything we do every single day? And are we finding rest in God? Rest that he's in control of our schedule. When things fall through or things get canceled or things don't work out the way we planned, do we see that as a, a negative thing or do we see that as God working, giving us a chance to slow down a little bit, to rest, to spend more time with him, to focus on him, to spend our lives devoted to him. And yes, we should be spending time with our families, with our friends, right? We're not to work nonstop. That's not what this is about. You see that Paul also had friends that he would write about and acquaintances and family members, right? So, so we're to do all of that. But the rest that God is speaking of here is not an absence of work. The rest is a rest in the work we're doing as we're walking through it with Jesus leading us, that he's leading and guiding, opening the doors he wants us to walk through, closing the ones we don't. And we shouldn't get upset when a door closes or when something doesn't work out the way we planned. We should see that as an opportunity for God to do something else in our lives, to open up another door for us, to redevote our time in another direction. So with that, that's where we end our study today. Do you have any questions? Not a single one? Yeah. Well, this could be for later. In the New King James Version, in Numbers 13, 17 through 14, or 12, sorry, 17, then 14, 12. In the New King James Version, they say they're going south, but in the New Living Translation, they're going north. Where are you at? So if you go to Numbers. Yeah. Okay. Um, just I, what verse are you in? That's a good question. So I'm just, when you're following both, 
Uh, looks like the Young's Literal Translation says the same thing. North. Or no. South. So, I don't know why the New, new Living Translation says North. And the others say South. That'd be a good thing for you to study, figure out. That would be. Any other questions? No? Perfectly clear? You understand the writing, the writer of Hebrews, what his message was? Oftentimes you will face giants. It's pretty interesting how he calls us back to the Old Testament to that section. That you will face giants in your life. And that our choice is to obey God or to disobey God. And there is no right, no gray area. There's no neutral ground. Well, God, it's just too hard. You really can't expect me to do that. But he does. And it's our choice to either obey him or disobey. Right? To agree with him or to rebel against him. There's really no neutral ground. That all makes sense? Okay. Let's pray. Dear Father, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for this time to come together to learn more about your will, your word, your ways, who you are. How you lead and guide us every day. How you speak to us daily. And it's whether or not we would choose to listen to you. I just ask that you would... Continue to speak to our hearts throughout the rest of this day. That you would lead us and guide us, draw us closer to you. Lord, I ask that you would bring healing to Liz. That you would just take away the cancer and the tumors in a way that only you can. That you would do a work and a miracle in her life that only you can. That you would receive all the glory from that. Lord, I ask that you would watch over Scott and Pam you would bring comfort and healing to them that you would watch over Kathy you would give the doctors wisdom you would watch over Christina and her art you would bring healing to it that you would watch over Joey and his knee you would watch over Matt's knees you would continue to watch over the coffee family bringing them peace and comfort forgiveness wisdom you would watch over all of them. You would lead and guide them. You would watch over Ming. You would lead and guide him. You would watch over our school. You would protect it. You would bring the leadership to the school that you want there. And you would open the doors you want us to walk through. You would give each one of us the right words to speak this week. You would help us to encourage each other in good deeds and in love and away from temptation and away from sin. I think we would do that daily for each one of us. You would watch over the sheriff's department, the police department here locally and around us. You would protect them physically, protect them spiritually. Draw each one of them closer to you. Protect their families, Lord. That you would watch over us. That we would lead us and guide us to a, a church that we can come alongside in the Uganda, Sudan area. It's in Jesus' mighty, mighty name. Pray all these things. Amen.